beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving, in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up in liberation? What do they have to teach us about any of these things in the year of our so-called Lord 2021, in a time when profound death has been aided and abetted by white supremacist systems, from police precincts to hospital corridors to congressional halls of power? How do we journey to freedom, even now, worn out as we might feel? We're all feeling the Pentecost very likely burnt out, not necessarily feeling the tongues of fire burning us forward. My name is Seth Whispelway, and I am a pastor in the United Church of Christ. I use he and him pronouns. I am speaking with you today from what is now called Tucson, Arizona, which is located on the traditional, occupied, and unceded homelands of the Tohono O'odham Nation and its people who have stewarded this land for generations. Our guiding scripture this week, Mark 4, 26-34. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. They do not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once the person goes in with their sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown... It grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. I learned a new word this week, petrosomatoglyph, petrosomatoglyph, from the Greek in three parts, petra, stone, soma, body, and glyphene, to carve. 
petrosomatoglyph. Maybe you already know it, but just in case, and I admit to channeling Wikipedia here, it means the supposed images of a human or animal body imprinted into rock. They are marked all around the world, often imbued with religious or sacred symbolism. One very famous example is at the Church of the Ascension in Jerusalem, where a pair of footprints are supposed to be those of Jesus right before he ascended into heaven. The reason I learned Petrosomatoglyph this week came from someone here in Tucson who works to heal and restore bodies, who pointed to a strange marking on her cabinet. It was, apparently, where a friend of her father always leaned his head when sitting next to it, and that was the mark made by the accumulation of human oils, a substance of our aliveness, in contact over a multitude of years with the beautiful mahogany grain of the wood. Say it with me now, petrosomatoglyph. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. These are Jesus' words at the end of the parable of the sower, which kicks off the fourth chapter of the gospel according to the author of Mark. As biblical scholar Marianne Tolbert writes, the two parables we heard today a little later on in chapter 4, quote, form a second layer of interpretation on the parable of the sower, end quote. The productive earth is identified as the kingdom of God. Hearing and one's response to hearing is central to Mark's vision of the mission of Jesus and the kingdom. The quality of the response will determine the quality of the life, because the measure you give will be the measure you get, as Jesus asserts in verse 24. In the context of the parable of the sower, those who are good soil will receive even more benefits, identification within the kingdom, liberation, etc., she goes on unpacking how the good soil of the kingdom of God produces its fruit by its own internal power, a power even the sower does not understand or control. What's known as the seed growing secretly parable here only appears in Mark. The story is more about the earth than the seed, though. Then we get to the more famous mustard seed parable, which is generally understood to emphasize the comparison between a small seed and great outcome, how faith can produce wonders. But we're invited to notice the repetition of the word sown here, and the repetition of on the ground and earth, suggesting a focus of attention that is actually on the transforming power of the earth itself, the good soil. The tiny seed becomes a great bush that offers protection to the birds only when it is sown upon the earth. Remember how in the parable of the sower, the seed gets scattered on the path, the rocky ground, the thorns, and the good soil, and it's only in the latter that good grain comes forth. 
Jesus closes this section of ours today by emphasizing again the importance of hearing the word. What is our response? I invite us to think today about where we locate ourselves in these glimpses into what the kingdom of God is like and how we understand our efforts, wisdom, intentions, and the transformations we manifest as sowers on this earth. Or, if you like, how we understand our efforts, wisdom, intentions, and the transformations we manifest or don't as white Christians committed to dismantling the violence of white supremacy in its many forms, so that good soil can do what good soil does when seed finds it, water soaks it, and sun warms it. As Octavia Butler writes in her vital novel, oh, look at that, Parable of the Sower, quote, All that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. Beloved, to be a part of this world is to impact this world, is to have an effect. You are, we are, all of us change agents. We sow. How do we sow? Where do we sow? What do we sow? Answers to these questions require effort, wisdom, intention. If we seek to realize transformations that manifest, the kingdom of God, Jesus asks us to see already at hand in the way he lives and calls others to live. As I've shared on previous episodes of this podcast, I love Father Gustavo Gutierrez's definition of spirituality. That is, spirituality simply refers to the ways we choose life or death. The kingdom of God is like good soil that produces abundant life for all. Some get it, some don't. And it always bears repeating that how, what, and where we sow, individually, communally, systemically, produces life or death in ways that mirror or profane the kingdom of God. The governing spiritualities of the United States, the dominant forces, are white supremacy, patriarchy, militarism, and consumer capitalism. These are death-dealing spiritualities. And the petrosomatoglyphs are horrific and widespread, from the murderous institution of policing, to the racist voting restrictions being passed nationwide, to the surge in anti-Semitic white supremacist hate crimes, to the transphobic bills being signed by a multitude of governors, to the multi-billion dollar investment we make with our tax dollars to perpetrate and perpetuate settler colonialism, apartheid, and ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people. But guess what, beloved? Guess what, fellow white Christians? There is good news. You are a sower in this world. 
simply by being alive and being your full self, you can and do have seed to scatter, and you do it every day. The kingdom of God is like you. The kingdom of God is within you. The question, the choice, the responsibility we bear every one of these days living under the weight of empire is where we sow and with whom. Our spirituality is how we choose life. Whatever the risk, whatever the cost, if we truly believe the kingdom of God is like dot, 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 then we can trust that the benefits on the other side of dismantling supremacist ideologies of settler colonialism, whiteness, patriarchy, militarism, and more, will lead to a liberation that the birds of the air, quote-unquote, as they were, can rest, nest, and thrive. And that includes us. Here's Octavia Butler again in Parable of the Sower, which I must add, you must read if you haven't already, or read again, a prophet from our time. She says, There is no end to what a living world will demand of you. There is no end to what a living world will demand of you. Now, demand might seem too forceful, and to hear that there is no end to those demands may seem too impinging on our freedoms, but we're talking about a living world, and all of us are alive. To live is to seek life, to choose life. So think of it this way. There is no end to life in the kingdom of God. There is no end to the demand that we find and sow in good soil. There's no end to life. Be wise, beloved. Listen to and follow black, indigenous, and people of color who seek police abolition, voting access, tenure, living wages, and so much more. Listen to and embody solidarity with the demands of Palestinian people seeking life free of our tax-funded oppression. Listen to and follow the demands of women and queer folks who need bodily autonomy, safety, equal wages, dignity, access, and more. Listen to and embody solidarity with our Jewish neighbors who are receiving hateful attacks. Much of this work begins in our Christian churches who for millennia in teachings and actions, both explicit and implicit, perpetuate and incite anti-Semitic bias and violence. Regardless of theological worldview, no church is exempt from needing to take abundant intentional care in dismantling anti-Semitic bias and misguided understandings of Scripture and the way our world operates. I am a cisgendered heterosexual man with 100% European heritage. To my fellow men who identify as such, we must directly and often awkwardly push each other to practice what we preach or call out and call in those who aren't even preaching it. And for all of us white Christians, sometimes our so-called identity as Christians can get bogged down in the cart before the horse. We must be pulled and shown the good soil to truly live into such an identity. Only then come the imprints we can say truly will last in the kingdom of God. 
Be the petrosomatoglyph you wish to see in the world, beloved. The kingdom of God is within you. Let it out, come what may. Thank you for joining me today. Our transcripts for each episode include resources for action, and please do check them out. This week's transcript includes a link to a video conversation I had with my brother, a doctor and human rights activist who works extensively in Palestine and with her people. As we unpack the realities of their current situation that too often gets clouded at best by our complicit country that actively invests in their brutal oppression. Please do click on the link and watch it. The live recording you heard during this episode of Dr. Vincent Harding's Song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org and our podcast lives at SoundCloud. Search on The Word is Resistance. You can interact with us there if you have questions or need help with action ideas. Be sure to give this episode a like or rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Transcripts are available on our website, which include any references, credits, and copyright information. Many thanks to our sound editor, Max Pearl. Now with deep gratitude and even a glimmer of hope as we continue to make this road by walking, I bless you forward with these words, a modified Franciscan benediction. May God bless you with discomforted easy answers, half-truths and superficial relationships, so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at white supremacy and all injustice and oppression and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, racism, misogyny, queerphobia, war, xenophobia, COVID-19, police violence, anti-Semitism, apartheid, ethnic cleansing, and more, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and embody solidarity until their pain is turned into joy. And beloved, may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim not be done.